I mean, I think designers are really good um, at developing that empathy for the user, right? That's kind of their hallmark, mm -hmm. that's what they're for, right? And um, so they really understand the user well, they um, walk in their shoes, they develop a perspective to design a product specifically for them. And I think they have to just do that with their own context of business, right? Like mm -hmm. walk in the shoes of their boss, walk in the shoes of an executive and understand what is important to them so that you can fulfill some of those needs that they have for that. And I think um, they're looking for creative solutions. Hi everyone, welcome to Designdras, where we interview the most forward-thinking designers and innovative creators on the planet to inspire and help you to reach your full creative potential. In this episode, I actually got the chance to chat with Paul Lafata. VP of product at Heal and also former CEO of a venture innovation studio from Mercedes-Benz, as well as holding many design leadership roles in companies such as BGG, Qualcomm or Bird. With Paul, I talk about the difference between designing a digital automotive experience and designing a digital consumer app and how the two processes are very different from each other and what are some of the challenges when it comes to innovation. We also talk about what is actually good design leadership and how can we evolve as a designer by building bridges to business stakeholders. I hope you enjoy the episode. All right, so today I'm here with Paul Lafata. Thank you so much for taking the time, Paul. Thanks, Sebastian. So I'm really looking forward to chat with you about your background in design, but then I think what's interesting also, you got the chance to serve a business role as being the CEO of um, let's see this innovation lab in the US, uh, a venture studio, which I think it's going to be interesting to talk about how you brought design into the discussion on business and how that whole conversation is, is going. Besides experience in corporate and, and startups, uh, you also recently got the chance to make experiences at Heal, which is a health um, startup. Uh, we're going to talk about that as well. So you actually got experience in multiple industries. But Paul, I think what would be best for the audience, uh, if you would just, in your own words, give a bit of a context uh, about your experiences, how did it all started out for you? You made a lot of learnings along the way, different parts of your journey. If you could highlight this maybe uh, for the audience shortly. Yeah, um, well, thanks. And, I, you know, although my career has had quite a bit of uh, pivots in turn of uh, industries, um, I, I think the center of it all is still design. And I still use that in everything that I'm doing, whether I'm a product manager or a uh, designer of new media or automotive or whatever that is. So um, that's been the common thread and been fortunate to, to work with some good companies, good industries and work on great products um, all throughout that journey. And those are, you know, really different uh, kind of areas, I think from, uh, from telecom uh, to mobility services with automotive to music and video um, and now with healthcare. Um, so lots of different industries um, and companies like Mercedes and Verb and Qualcomm and BCG. So we're fortunate to work for some great companies and I've, I've learned all along the way. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure. The, so I think you, in the beginning, you were, you know, of course, uh, like it always does, a product designer on the team. Then at some point you started to move into business. Was this sort of a conscious decision for you to kind of uh, grow in that direction or was it more that it you know okay, that there was an opportunity that came up and uh, so how would that how was that transition for you uh, moving from a product designer to uh, also a business leader yeah I mean I think that that uh, journey starts with you know becoming a higher and higher level uh, designer and and mm -hmm. 
you know, you, you can't go straight from design to business leader in one uh, step, but I think you, yeah. you gain more experience over, you know, managing design teams, bigger and bigger design teams. And then you start interfacing more uh, within the company to other parts of the company that become more business facing, you know, more with product management, more with uh, business development, more with executives. And then eventually you start to get those opportunities uh, and they start to see your thinking that it's not just about, you know, thinking about exclusively the product, which is still good, but um, it's thinking beyond just the product. And I think that's when they start to take notice that, hey, designers can be business leaders as well, right? And I think in the case with, you know, with BCG and Mercedes, they kind of really expect a, a business thinking as as part of the core acumen that you might have, right? Uh, they, they want more than just a designer. So, um I think when, when designers are ready uh, and they have that uh, that acumen, then um, they can kind of tune themselves for those opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. So, what was uh, what would you recommend for designers that are you know close maybe or thinking about that you know, to make that transition? Are there any kind of common things that you kind of seeing that you know maybe designers are missing? Is there maybe um, is this maybe education? Is this maybe expectations from them? What what such a role would entail? Uh, any kind of advice to designers when it comes to, you know, maybe senior designers or, or design directors who are thinking about making the next step? What should they be aware of? What kind of common mistakes do you see? What would be your advice to them? Um, I think, um, yeah, being aware of the opportunities and kind of looking out for those, right? And, and um, developing some relationships with those people that will, you know, find the value in what you're bringing you know, design-wise and how you can take that design expertise and really use that for business. Um, uh, you know, one example would be, um, I mean, I think designers are really good um, at developing that empathy for the user, right? That's kind of their hallmark. Mm -hmm. That's what they're looking for, right? And um, so they really understand the user well. They um, walk in their shoes. They develop a perspective to design a product specifically for them. And I think they have to just do that with their own context of business, right? Like mm -hmm. walk in the shoes of their boss, walk in the shoes of an executive and understand what is important to them so that you can fulfill some of those needs that they have for that. And I think um, they're looking for creative solutions, right? I think they uh, now more than ever, uh, business leaders are uh, looking for, you know, creative solutions and, you know, different ways of, of solving problems. And they look to designers um, as some of those people that can do that and think in a different way. So I think, um, I, I think we can, you know, solve their problems first, <laughs> you know, we've already solved some of the, the user problems now solve mm -hmm. our own businesses problems. Mm -hmm. And I think they then give you that opportunity um, to try things out. Right. And like, Hey, let's, why not have a designer as a business leader because they've got an interesting perspective on, on things and taking it from another way. Um, and I think they realize more and more that, that uh, customer experience uh, kind of trumps everything else. Uh, and, and that if, you know, why not have someone that's an expert in customer experience and design and products uh, to help lead um, other facets. Yeah. This is a topic that came up in, in past episodes before. And I think, um, Gavin Batoon, I think, put it also nicely in one of the past episodes. He said it's it's a it's a language that you learn, and it's a it's a way of communication. Um, and I think we, as designers, we are teach to have empathy with the customer, <laughs> the user. We are trying to fight 
for the best customer experience, but learning that empathy on the business side as well, uh, that, you know, and I think product managers constantly have to do that. It's, it's always a trade-off, you know, uh, specifically, I mean, if you join a startup, you're going to experience that it's, and if you have to take like, you know, bigger decisions that, you know, well, design is one part, uh, but then there's also, you have to think about technology, you have to think about, you know, the business side and you constantly have to balance all of these different things, uh, design being um, uh, one of them. So um, I think that's sort of an interesting way to kind of look at it, uh, learning a language, learning a way to communicate and actually learning, taking the skills we have an empathy, but kind of applying that also to all the stakeholders we have in a company. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it is a communication thing, first and foremost, which which is one of those things like you don't learn that in design school. You don't learn that, yeah. in, you know, other kind of things. You have to learn that just by by doing and, and being good at, you know, being good with people in general. So, yeah, I think uh, it's interesting. And I wish I would have known that earlier in my career. Right. If someone, if someone was to say that, you know, uh, you, just, you need to communicate better. You need to speak their own language of of the people around you, um, you know, earlier in my career, it's not just about doing good design and then everything else will flow out of that. It's, you know, um, kind of, uh, kind of moving that along, uh, you know, to speak the language of the people that are the real big, uh, influencers, but I, you know, one other thing to add on that is, yeah, designers for years have been asking for that seat at the table, right? Like I want to seat at the table. I want to be with the big boys and, you know, make decisions and, you know, uh, influence business. And I see that now happening over the last uh, several years and definitely over the, um, the course of my career where designers are giving more opportunity and they are listening more than they have been before. And so now it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a great time to be in, you know, uh, product design and product management, because they're kind of thirsty for that knowledge, I think, you know, the business leaders. And um, uh, now we have that opportunity for the seat at the table. Now we just have to make sure that we make good use of it. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And uh, it's an opportunity, right? As I think we should make use out of it. You know, I think very often designers are complaining in a company about like maybe, you know, how maybe designer, the design team is maybe perceived or maybe about the lack of uh, power they have in the process. But ultimately, it's also something that, you know, we all designers take responsibility also for. <laughs> and um uh, I mean, I would be really interested how you did it when you were joining um, the different companies uh, in terms of design leadership and how do you design, bring design to the table. Something I've been hearing a lot talking to other design leaders is that you really want to focus on bringing, listening first and also listening what are the business problems, yeah? Because, you know, as a design leader, you are one of the leaders together with the sales team, the engineering team and all of the other teams and they care about all the things. They have all the problems. And also you understand maybe what's the business struggling with, right? And uh, what what is this comp what's the biggest company problem we have around? Maybe it's something on the on the on the sales side where maybe you know they're, they're needing they need too many people to onboard people on the product. You know, maybe the uh, you know, and then well, this might be an opportunity to bring design to a discussion where design maybe wasn't present. So you could start to think about, hey. Uh, maybe we should talk to the sales team and think about how can we make the product more easier when uh, we have to onboard new new clients. Maybe we can we can work out uh, something on the funnel. Uh, um, so there's there's opportunities in the company to get designers 
you know, involved and, uh, but it's about listening and then uh, understanding how you can propose that. Uh, obviously that requires a certain opportunity on resources as well, always, but, um, it requires interest as well. So, yeah. you know, if, if you're, if you're not interested in, in the rest of the company and you're not, you're not interested to, to, you know, to, to have the production team or uh, then the, also the, the role of design is also not going to change in a company. I think it changes by being proactive and by being listening in. And, uh, but I would be curious about your experiences. I mean, you joined multiple companies in a leadership position. What was your experience? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of what you're saying I, I rings true. You know, I think you are going back a little bit uh, to what you were saying before about, you know, you're designing um, or you're solving business problems, not just design yeah. problems. And yeah. I think once you kind of realize that, uh, it helps you kind of get out of your own world a little bit. And like when someone is saying, for example, uh, we got to drop off in our onboarding process. How do we do that? Like no one's saying, how do we design it better necessarily? They're just saying, this is a business problem. Um, but you with your design skills can help solve that problem, that business problem uh, by applying good design for it uh, if it hasn't already. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, I think, uh, you know, tuning into uh, you know, what the real problem is, and it's not just about designing a beautiful product or even a very usable product, but it's a product that uh, the business can get value out of um, and the users can get value out of. And if you're not doing that, you're, uh, you're probably missing something there. Um, but I think the, the business leaders that, that see that value really, they really get it. Um, so, yeah, I think, I, I think, you know, you can take that approach with, I mean, with, you know, just leading a design team as well. So if, you know, if you're not, you know, have a direct uh, communication to the executives or um, higher level teams, you're still in communication with engineering teams, with product teams, with the, the, the closer kind of halo of people that affect you uh, and you affect them and, and knowing how to uh, work with them and understand each individual group's um, problems and, and how do you apply your skill set to that. Uh, 100%. Um, I mean, let's, let's dive into some of your experiences. Um, the multiple ones to talk about, I think, uh, what of course stood out was your experience at Mercedes you know, joining the Innovation Lab team. Um, what did you experience there uh, in terms of maybe the design culture and uh, maybe the opportunities uh, designers have when it comes to the mobility space? Yeah, I think uh, with Mercedes, um, I think the the goal there was to explore these um, new product ideas, but also new business ideas to mm -hmm. um, extend what Mercedes can offer beyond just um, you know, the car itself. So they're really great at designing cars. They're really great at you know trucks and financial services. They have all kinds of facets of their business. But um, I think uh, you know that business, just like others, are always looking into. Um, how do you safeguard the future with other business ideas? How do you do do things that are a little bit outside of the norm and some some experimental, right? That, that can still be connected to the core business, but they're definitely um, outside of the core business. So, if you thought about Mercedes doing any kind of you know uh, mobility services or um, you know whether it's car sharing or uh, any number of type of uh, renting or you know things that are just a little bit off of what just selling cars or fixing cars. Um, that was kind of the mission there. So it was, it was really good experience to work with a big 
car company, oldest car company in the world. Um, A lot of infrastructure, a lot of politics, a lot of everything kind of put in place already and try to do something very, very new and uncomfortable for them. Uh, So it's a great learning experience for me and kind of navigating those waters and, you know, trying to help them, you know, understand what, what potential avenues for future businesses that could, you know, affect their bottom line eventually. Yeah. It would be interesting now to understand like what's the value of design in, in, in this discussion. I think kind of to tie it to some of the discussion I had too in, in parts of the episodes. I think one of the design superpower is to make the abstract concrete and drawing a picture of what that could be. Um, and um, I'm always saying this on the on the podcast. Like, I think yeah, designers don't have to be, uh, or the, the picture you draw doesn't have to be correct, but uh, it summarizes a point of a discussion. Uh, and by that, you spark imagination, you spark uh, new ideas, um, and you have a foundation that you can then discuss about. Because if you don't, if you don't put the make the abstract concrete, you're going to stay abstract, <laughs> and you're never going to move forward. And it potentially takes multiple loops, right? So you're doing the first materialization of the abstract and you yeah. do it multiple times. And I, and I know a lot of designers working where we early on in the process where they may be working with, with, with business stakeholders, even working in business departments or business teams, like service designers. And they're so good with visualization, quick visualization, uh, drawing, um, being able to visualize quickly. And um, I think that's such a powerful the powerful thing of design is that we can actually accelerate um, discussion. We can accelerate uh, the process uh, by giving context to uh, what the current idea is. Yeah. Yeah. It's bringing, it's bringing, uh, bringing it to life. Right. And sometimes with that yeah. one or that journey or that uh, persona that, that really crystallizes the problem in a really good way and crystallizes the solution um, that maybe they're not used to seeing, and they're like, yes, you, yes. And that four slides that you, you know, showed, like, you, we really understand that uh, you understand the problem, uh, and then therefore there's a little bit of trust built with the solutioning then, because like you, mm-hmm. you understand the problem. Um, but yeah, that uh, I think the way you said it of uh, bringing the abstract to concrete is really good, um, because that's you know we're doing that at multiple levels from. The actual design to the problem to who our user really is um all those things are, are going from abstract to concrete um and then in the traditional sense it's really like you know visualizing the the actual solution uh yeah. the UI or whatever it is the product design that you're creating um sometimes you know if you don't lay it out there in front of them then um then then they can kind of interpret it their own way right and sometimes that's good if you're really exploring, but sometimes you want them to see it uh, the way you had that vision for it. And I think there's nothing stronger than laying out that vision and then having them, you know, get behind it and follow that. And that's, that's pretty powerful a pretty good feeling for a designer to be able to kind of um, do that. And, and people believe in that. I think the important thing there is, I totally agree to what you're saying, but the important thing I think there is to step out of the ownership. Because um, if um, if you don't create that shared ownership, uh, like it, it should not feel like you know uh, the designer has been coming up with something, right? It should feel like we have been coming up with something, 
and and the designer supporting that that discussion, right? And and there are a couple of tricks to do that in a way. For example, like do you have to be the person that actually is presenting, or maybe you ask the engineering head to present it, or like the the person that is actually going to work on the implementation side of it, right? So how do you can bring other people and um, something to uh, that? I think something how you could frame it would be probably like getting as many signature on. Dick, if you think about a card drawing as possible, like where maybe traditionally you have like a signature of the designer on it. I think like what you want to do with innovation is like, you don't want to have multiple signatures on it. The best thing is if your signature is the smallest, that means like your innovation has a chance to survive, right? Because, uh, and it's not, again, that would be a wrong way to phrase, it's not your innovations, really the, the, whole, the whole stakeholders working together on an innovation and um, you're helping to, to accelerate it. But at the same time, the problem there is that designers are taking, they, they're getting very emotional about like what they are developing. Yes. That's a problem as well, right? So there's this constant battle between you need to love your idea, but you also need to be fine to throw it away. And you need to be fine if you don't own the idea uh, anymore, even though you have been spending so much time to kind of make it look good and, and make it great. And and uh, But that's, that's, I think, always something that I think is, uh, it kind of, a balance, you know, that, um, you know, as a designer, you have to work out with your team. It's like, you know, how can you keep people motivated, but also not be too detached because then it's going to be hard, right? If, if, if something's going to change too much or taken forward in a different direction. But Yeah, I think, and these big ideas, like the big ideas are always a collaboration. They're never just like, um, oh, it's yeah. a designer. Kudos to him and he's the hero. Uh, but it's really... Um, a combination of so many different people, like that product side, the engineering side, the design, the business side, all coming together to come up with that big idea. It's it's unlikely that any one of those individuals is going to come up with that perfect idea. So exactly, um, and it's I mean it can't be overstated that it, you know the the team uh, coming together is going to come up with something collectively better than an individual. Um, and I actually like when those when those ideas are pitched that way um, as a collection of those um, different functions and skill sets, kind of pitching the idea collectively versus like one person, you know, it doesn't have to be the designer saying, here's this amazing idea. Let me tell you about the business side, the design side, the product side, the engagement, all that. Um, and it also doesn't necessarily always help to have the, you know, the senior engineer or the even the senior product person doing all that. But that, um, you know, what I've learned over the past is, is, is kind of having that team approach to even the pitching the ideas is more yeah. powerful, especially to the customer, you know, outside of the context of your own hierarchy. But the customer, I think, really likes to hear those perspectives. And, and they get to hear the passion of each one of those people, right? The designer can really, you know, support the, the areas that they're most passionate about. And, you know, everyone can do it in the product person and the engineer, mm -hmm. and all that, but they're all still in concert supporting each other. It's not like they're all competing with each other. They're supporting each other, but all for that same goal. And I think those pitches end up being better than, than just one person. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, so you worked in the automotive space and now since uh, uh, you got a lot of experience there. If you worked on different um, you know, tech, technical innovations, I'm also assuming, what is the opportunities for designers in the automotive and mobility area, do you think for the next, let's say five, six, seven years, what do you think is the major 
the major opportunity for designers to contribute in the in the obvious transformation that is happening in the space. Oh man, well, there's lots of opportunity now, now more than ever, right? Over the last, you know, seven, eight years, we've seen uh, mobility services and, you know, everything from scooters to um, car sharing to car buying in different ways. And each one of those things have, you know, needs a designer's perspective on it. So there's, there's tons of opportunity in those businesses that support automotive. And then I think the automotive itself, I think, um, you know, you, you're very near and dear to this and uh, it's really, it's the experience, the in-car experience needs a lot. I think it's getting way better now, you know, um, with the recent things that have happened in the last few years. For, for a long time, it stagnated and the cars basically looked the same. And the UIs were, you know, seven inches and terrible and didn't update. And they were old as soon as they left the parking lot of the sales lot, right? So I think the biggest opportunity is making those car UIs better better and better, right? And I think some of the new stuff we're seeing from, you know, Tesla and Mercedes and Apple even recently um, shows a lot of promise in that area of really uh, making it a much better experience inside. It's not just about touching a screen, but it's about this kind of seamless connectivity with the people that are in the car, right? And the devices that they already have in their pocket and the services that they get and over the air updates of the UI, a lot of opportunity there to make it better and better. And I think we're going to see a lot of change in the next five years. So a lot of exciting things um, to come, I think, from uh, all over the board. There's a new, I think there's a new way of thinking now, you know, with these new UIs and with the hardware that supports those UIs, that's opening up opportunities. It's just like that transition from the, the, the flip phones to the smartphone, where now designers have a much bigger playground um, to play in. And, and can realize visions that they couldn't do on that flip phone. Now they're able to do the same thing in the automotive industry, in the car with, uh, you know, the, the hardware technology that's in the car allows better experiences for designers to create. A hundred percent. I think the, the digital side has there's so much to do. And, uh, you know, I think what's also interesting because you were at BERT before, right? So you worked on a BERT micro scooter um, uh, experiences. I think like there's a different mindset around like how you develop a product because I think they they are starting with software and then do the hardware potentially, right? Uh, thinking about the system, the service, then from there on they derived like the uh, the product. While I think on the on the automotive sometimes it can be the other way uh, around, right? You do you do the uh, the, the interface, maybe the last, right? The digital interface. So I was wondering about process. So could you take some learnings that you did in this, in the sort of like, uh, let's say scooter startup, uh, micromobility space, and and any kind of ideas that, you know, you found fruitful in terms of process, uh, approach to innovation in a company such as Mercedes? Um, I think it's it's focusing on the experience, right? Like uh, like I mentioned earlier, around you know what is that kind of seamless experience from end to end, from when you get in the car to in the car yeah. during the driving and then out of that. I think um, car companies, you know, typically are, are focusing on you know um, the engine and how fast it is and you know the torque and all that kind of stuff, which is all great. But I think it's it's um, you know at some point the, you know, the user experience is still you know, inside the cabin of the car. And that's the most important thing, I think, um, uh, for the vast majority of people, um, 
you know, just getting to one place to the other is what, what is it like when you're in the car? You know, you can only go so fast on a, on a freeway or on a, a city street. So you may not make use of that big engine, but I think you would definitely make use of the connectivity. Um, and I think working with uh, these services like Bird and the experience of designing those is you really think end to end from, you know, before I, I even get into that scooter or get into that car um, to how do I pay for it? How do I use it? How do I end the experience and leave it and whatever, all, all that can be thought about more in, in the traditional car. I think and we're doing that now. Uh, so I think it's becoming more, more relevant now. Yeah. And I think it's important to, I mean, also from my experience in, in the automotive space, I think it's interesting to point out that it's going really beyond the, what we would traditionally say UX designer, because I think a lot of the experience in digital uh, automotive space is derived by the tech stack as well. And by the way, the infrastructure, the, the arch software architecture works, these are things that are going a bit beyond and, and really to modify that, you, you, you need to be involved very early on from a design side and probably map out, okay, what, is, what are the most important things? And then you got the opportunity to maybe influence uh, also the software architecture. But I think some of the biggest transformation is, of, uh, is actually not, um, there's obviously transformation happening on the front end and, uh, and sort of that digital experience, but there's uh, maybe even bigger transformation happening on terms of like, how data is shared, how devices are connected, uh, what's the tech setup, can we access the account information, uh, what is this programmed on? These are gonna influence uh, major pieces in terms of the flexibility you later on have as you experience designer. And being involved there early, and I got the chance also to see what kind of power that has if, if, um, if user experience joins these discussions before you have set up any architecture of these software architecture, and kind of work with the engineers towards what is best, uh, what can we actually do, and then kind of derive from what kind of partnerships we may need to create, uh, what kind of um, integrations we may need, uh, et cetera. Derive the, the requirements from the, for the technical side, the business side, et cetera, from, from that early conversation, I think it's important. But, um, um, you know, I think we talk a lot about user experience in, in the automotive setup and uh, and uh, the innovation that needs to happen there, but it's the innovation the, in the, of the user experience is very tight to the technical innovation, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's this kind of push pull, right? And I think when you're connected close with the engineers and the right, the right groups that are um, really influencing that tech stock, um, um, you really have to work together because I think. Uh, you know, the, the engineers may have all these capabilities, but maybe um, they're not sure how to put it all together. And what does that mean for the product experience? And is it valuable to the, the user and how will they use that? And I did a lot of that at, at um, uh, Qualcomm where we were developing new products where yeah. um, you know, it, was, it was technology first, which which is untraditional, right? And our product company is like, you know, usually it's like come up with a need and, and then develop the product and the technology around that need. But as a as a hardware uh, tech enabler, Qualcomm you know has the technology first, and they're kind of on the cutting edge of that technology as well. So there's um, you know there may not be product experiences for those tech just yet, and so my team was able to help them with that to envision what what could you do with that technology, this robotics tech or this you know um, you know AR tech or you know display tech, like how could we use that in products, and then 
working really closely with engineering of like, well, could you could you change it to be a little bit more like this? Then we could do something even different or even better. And then then you know we can really work together in that way. And then we have to learn, of course, on the technical side, uh, what does the tech enable? You know, can we do what we really want with that tech? And uh, how do we specify something different uh, that they can work on um, in order to make it better? Yeah, and I think uh, what it, the, the, another aspect I think is purchasing and um, um, supply and 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 sort of uh, how what kind of hardware do we have available. I think what's interesting about the automotive side is that your ability of the digital user experience is strongly done to depend on what the hardware purchases are. Right? Mm-hmm. If the if the process is too um, uh, not not strong enough, you're gonna can design animations until the end of the day, but like it's not gonna go in there, or it's gonna be clunky, it's not gonna the display speed is not gonna be fast enough. So and these cycles take a long time, right? It's not as in airplanes where you have like 10, 10 years of, of development cycles, but um, not as 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 long as that, but you definitely have longer development cycles compared to scooter startup, right? It's a micro like a bird can innovate a lot faster because Building that scooter takes a lot less time. They can source the, the the elements they would need, and and with a in a motor motor setup, you have just have to think about longer cycles. I mean, their their factory is going to get built, and and they may have contracts with a certain supplier for processors for five years, and a, a graphic chip supplier that you know another uh, uh, two years. So you kind of have to work with what you have on the hardware side. And well, if you don't have that, if you don't have that sensor, and if you don't have that that partnership with this company, uh, if you don't have that agreement uh, to use a certain technology, then you're just going to be very limited as a designer. You're just going to have to work with what you have. And um, that's why I just want to emphasize the major innovation is happening really on the front of the requirements. Side. And I think that's where designers need to be uh, get strongly involved and influence uh, the requirements uh, that you may need for purchasing uh, decisions that are going to be long-term contracts. And uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, talking about uh, now your recent experience in the hacker space. Um, so you've been uh, working at here um, as the VP of product management and design, again, bridging a sort of a PM and a design role here. Uh, going into the, the business side um, as well. Could you talk a little bit about your experience there? What kind of innovation uh, opportunities you see for designers working in the space? What what makes you excited uh, about the space? Um, yeah, I, I I mean, healthcare is, is kind of like this uh, other big, great frontier, I think, that uh, yeah. is you know, good design. And it's what really interested me. Uh, you know, healthcare isn't normally known as uh, for good products or good design or supreme experience. So, um, so there's an opportunity there to me, you know, there's opportunity mm-hmm. to do something different, to do something better, to rethink it. And, and the effects of that um, are, are pretty, are pretty big, you know, like because you're directly uh, affecting patients' lives or uh, doctors who take care of those patients and the tools that they use. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of opportunity there, I think in the healthcare space. Um, and I think what attracted me to to Heal and mm-hmm. the industry in general, but specifically Heal, was that, is that mission to help people. And um, you know, it's great designing stuff for cars and scooters and uh, phones. That's it, all fun as well. But you know, mm-hmm. when you're doing things for 
for patients and for doctors and the healthcare industry in general. Um, it, it's something that you can get behind that makes you feel good about what you're doing on a daily basis, uh, that you're actually, you know, uh, making someone's lives better. Um, so that's really great. But there's, there are tons of challenges, right? And I think if we look into um, the kind of overarching uh, trends and mega trends that are going on right now, you start to see uh, the opportunities emerge in, in healthcare, right? Like there's more emphasis on health and well-being in general now, and there's um, lifespans are, are getting longer and longer and mm-hmm. more desire to have healthcare in the home. All these kind of things are, 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 are trends that are going on, you know, all, all over the world. And, and Heal is really tapping into those and designing solutions for that. You know, the, the, the digitization of everything and the, you know, the value of the data and all that kind of stuff is we're all trying to, to leverage that. At Heal to make um, great products that bring doctors to the home to take care of people where they want to be taken care of. And a lot of these people, you know, they might have mobility challenges and things like that. So they really have to be uh, taken care of there, um, or it's very difficult to, to even see the doctor. Um, so there's lots of uh, small challenges within bigger challenges there um, that need to be solved. And I'm hoping to um, make a small dent in that. There's so much to to innovate on. Yeah, you're totally right. And um, I think it's also interesting because in the US, um, I think the way, I think one of the big innovation spaces for the healthcare space is data. And sort of that, how the legal setup is in certain countries really influencing also how much you can innovate. So for example, I mean, in, in, in Germany, the, um, the regulations are a lot more tight on the privacy side, right? Uh, things are more regulated. Um, there are more public uh, entities involved uh, when it comes to data and, uh, and et cetera. I've been talking to you know, other designers also working on in, in, in healthcare startups. And I think one of the issues is always you know, what kind of data do you have available? What can you maybe share? And how much you can use to actually elevate the experience, what is possible on the on the infrastructure side also. Sometimes these doctors, they don't have the right computers or maybe their systems don't connect to a, a certain bigger system that you can, they can then use, for example, to make something more transparent. So you, like it, it really needs also a lot of innovation on a grassroots level, like on the infrastructure level. And uh, in the US, it's, I think a little bit different because in the US, I think things are a bit more uh, private, uh, more private companies uh, involved, and I think by that you also have, I think, more more flexibility. But I'm wondering about your experience between the infrastructure and the the data, and like how how, how things are maybe set up, legacy technology that you have to incorporate maybe in the process, and how that's going to impact or may create opportunities for designers. Mm-hmm. Well, data, I mean, we take data privacy very serious here too in the US and with healthcare in particular, yeah. and HIPAA compliance and all those things that we 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 really follow to a T, right? It's our it's our whole business. We have to. But I think that we could use data not in the same way that you know advertisers use data and other apps and things like that, but we're using data internally to extend the knowledge of our doctors when they can't always be there, right? So for example, with remote patient monitoring, we can give um patient a tablet and connected devices, um, medical peripherals that they can take their blood pressure or pulse or other kind of things, uh, you know, glucose readings. And those uh, data transmissions can go to the tablet and those 
Tablet can then transmit that to our doctors so that we can have a team of nurse practitioners or doctors that are looking at that data. So, you know, we're not using those for, you know, any kind of other purpose other than uh, to facilitate a, um, you know, easier access to the patient. And so that now we can, we can see how the patient's doing without actually having to be there. And, um, you know, assuming that they're using the, the product and um, the peripherals consistently, we can start to see the trends of those, and whether it's in a you know daily trends, weekly trends, monthly or yearly, you can see right away where those um, you know trends are going. Are they you know is this patient getting better or worse? Is there you know is their patient is their blood pressure uh, hitting spikes consistently, or is it just you know every once in a while when they go up a flight of stairs or something like that? We can we can translate that data, and the doctors know how to take that data and uh, get what they need out of that and translate that for um, how they can do the next steps for the patient. Yeah, and, and you said there's a lot of innovation happening on the on the health data side, like what kind of, and I think, you know, to a certain degree also, I think um, Apple also helped with that, with, with all of the innovations uh, and infrastructure innovations, I think. And, um, but yeah, it's getting more and more accessible as more data available for people. Uh, people start to track certain things starting with how many steps they go, but it goes way beyond that. Uh, it becomes a lot easier for people to integrate this into their life. And this data, like you said, will influence science and will will, will allow for even more innovation and uh, at an accelerating speed, uh, which is great. I was in the benefit of all. Yeah, Paul, there's so much more to go into. Uh, I think we, I feel like we're just you know, getting started. Uh, and. Um, and I love all of your insights you shared so far, but I think uh, because of time, I think we need to wrap it up, unfortunately. So on just behalf of the audience, I would really like to thank you for you know sharing all of your insights on the health space, uh, in the automotive space, but then also your design leadership uh, learnings in general. So thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate your time. All right, that was the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure you give it a thumbs up and let me know in the comments about your thoughts and biggest learnings from the episode. I'm always super curious about that. You can also tag me in a post about your biggest takeaway and share your insights with others to pass on your learnings. If the episode provided you a lot of value, make sure to follow, subscribe and share it with friends and colleagues so they also have the chance to learn and grow. Until next time. Cheers.